Hello everyone, this is Noble back again with another episode of Noble Relating, the podcast of the new paradigm. Uh, today I got another gentleman with me, another male guest came in, coming on to give his perspective. Uh, so please everybody welcome my, my man, my homie, uh, Jesse Burr. <laughs> good deal, baby. That's a good deal. Thank you. How you doing? How you living? Oh, actually, I'm doing great, man. I am blessed. I, you know, I grew up in Louisiana. My daddy used to tell me, "If you're on top of the dirt, son, it's a great day." <laughs> All right, Louisiana. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm on top of the dirt. Uh, it's a great day, actually. Despite all of the things that are going on in the world, I, I think we're living in a great time. Um, with that said, we're going, you know, whenever you're going through something, you know, uh, that appears on the outside to be traumatic and dramatic, right? Um, basically, that's what happens when something is coming to birth. Mm-hmm. That's the birth. That's the birthing process. So I say all that to say I feel good, um, uh, despite, like I said, what's been going on recently. In right, right and in the world but i feel very very good about it so uh so, overall i feel good about where we're headed in the future got you, got you. yeah um so so let's kind of just delve into it you know today uh, for the people it's going to be about men money mastery and i mm-hmm. believe that you have some um some interesting thoughts you want to share about that topic but this is something like um something that you're actually pushing like um part of a movement you're kind of creating is that right sure right yeah exactly um uh, well you know, no. Well, you're talking about uh, re- relating and this quote-unquote new paradigm, and I am a, 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 an amateur futurist of sort, meaning that I look at things 10, 15, 20 years down the road. One of one of the things that I really look at is the future of marriage. I have two. I have two focuses, by the way: the future of Africa and the future of marriage. And I've been looking at that for about the last four or five years. And so I've been looking at literally what marriage will look like. And when I say marriage, I don't. I, I mean. I mean. Pair bonded relationships, okay? That's what I mean, right? So I, I just use that overarching term marriage because everybody just knows marriage means uh, two people coming together, you know, powering their lives together, you know, living their lives together. And and more importantly, the question is, so what will that look like in 2035? What would that look like in 2036? That's the question that I've been mm-hmm. asking and, and, and trying to answer. And of course, the, you know, with these things, you can never be like right and exact. The, the goal is not to be correct. Okay, the goal is to say, hmm, here's what I see based upon what has happened, looking at the looking at the path of things. And this is where we're going to be. And more importantly, the reason we want to do that and look at the future is because we can prepare. Mm-hmm. And even if we can't prepare ourselves, great parenting is about preparing your children for the young people around you or just preparing uh, those people uh, who aren't where we are yet for that future. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying because I see a huge shift in the way we will relate in the future, primarily due to due to demographic changes, number one. And when I say this, I'm talking about globally, uh, demographic changes, number one, uh, as well as women empowerment. If you uh, women's empowerment. So whenever, if you look back in history, if you ever look at when women have really established this, or reestablished, because they because they've always had power reestablish that power there's always been a shift in the in the society there always has been so we see that again now let me circle that all up so what i'm getting at is is that the way we relate will shift over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years that's no question mm-hmm. so as a man and especially as a man as a as a man who 
attempts to father other men and a man who hopes to be fathered by other men right and a man who builds circles with other men i'm saying what will we need to be prepared for that future okay and so what i've come up with and circled it and tried to and tried to build it put it into a philosophy is that men need to be about men meaning their masculinity right money and mastery those three things when we when we when we when we focus on our quote unquote masculinity and where we are relative to that and our money and when I say money I don't necessarily physically mean money but it's you know it sounded cool <laughs> right but I'm but I mean by provisioning and, and managing of resources really is what I'm getting at right and then mastery whether that be mastery of self whether that be mastery of our sexual expression whether that be mastery of our uh, of, of our money and our lives those will be the things that will be necessary to be successful in a relationship 10 to 15 years from now so i'm, I'm sorry that took a little long but i wanted to circle that up <laughs> okay right, right right i understand yeah i feel you i feel you so well let, let's just back up just a little bit because you like because i like i don't know much about you personally in terms of like you know how you set um or where you're coming from in terms of like how you do relationship dynamics and how you set up things with your women and whatnot sure could you right. maybe kind of give a um uh insight into for the, yeah like who you are like how you do your relationships right and how you see that correlating to um your preparing for the future of what the, the relationship will look like got you right that's an excellent question so i consider myself first of all a, a practitioner of ethical non-monogamy okay and so there are okay. several there, there are several ways that can look right but i'm a strong proponent of ethical non-monogamy um i, I i've been married twice legally married twice i am a strong proponent of the marriage institution i think it needs to shift a little bit but that's another sermon or another discussion for another sunday so i believe in legal marriage um um, i do think it's flawed right now but it's flawed for a myriad of reasons like i said we could have a whole show on that um but with that said um i I, i'm partnered um with uh with some phenomenal awesome dynamic women Right, partnering with them, and I have intentions to marry them. Okay, whether that be legally or non-legally, but it is a long-term committed relationship. Okay, for for the all the partners that you um are with now, you you have the intention to spiritually be connected to them for a lifetime. Oh, absolutely! No, no, I'll go one step further. For past this lifetime, that's very important. For past this lifetime. Okay, so, 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 here's the question: If I could legally marry all of them, would I? And the answer would be yes. Gotcha. And there, and there are many countries on the planet that you could. Mm-hmm. You know, I've considered. You know, let's get married in Egypt. Well, we're not citizens, and blah blah blah. Let's get married outside. And if we can't legally marry, then what structure can we put in place, right, to get the same benefits of marriage? Now, inside of the U.S., because it's been defined the way that it has, we have to look at the fact that the tax code, right, has a lot to do with how marriage has been defined, right? Right. Racism has had a lot to do with how marriage has been defined. So when I say marriage, I don't necessarily, I want to be loose with the definitions of it because I don't, just because I'm a proponent of 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 the of and of an institution, this one may not be the best one. It is flawed. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, it sir. is. De- it's definitely flawed. But I also will tell you that there will be shifts in it. Every time there's been a push and a move, especially amongst women, there has been a shift in it. 
always mm -hmm. and we see that again so it's the only question is it's not it, it's not um if will there be a change and a shift in how we uh view and see marriage particularly in the u.s but the only question is when that's the only question okay in your opinion like can you just maybe give me like um one or two of the flaws that you see in current marriage and why do you think it you know maybe hasn't changed yet or you know, I know it's coming, but like, why do you feel like you know it's, it's stagnant? Yeah, right. Well, first of all, is that number one? It's a it's a business. Um, the structure was set up as a business um, agreement. Okay, up until fairly recently, and when I say fairly recent, last couple hundred years, there's a great book called The History of Marriage uh, by Dr. Kuntz. I think is her name, C O O in tz that she does she, she has been studying the history of marriage for 25 years okay um it, but this book is called the history of marriage and when did love get involved a title was something like that I, I along those lines but basically for the most part legal marriage was not set up because i was in love with you it was right. set up because well my family had something and your family had something and our families needed to join in our bringing together of a say a son and a daughter right was 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 the was the was the personification of that agreement right yeah. or it was for political power and many many people especially right out of slavery many black women got married so that they could have business contracts you have to understand that women were not could not enter into legal uh contracts right so and let's think about it put yourself in the put yourself in the in the space of this 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 woman recently freed from slavery it's 18 i don't know 70 i'm just making that number up right and i'm a i'm a seamstress okay or i'm skilled at giving birth i'm a i'm a doula of you know I, I have this skill but i can't go out and sell my services although i've been doing this for years okay mm. and you gotta realize i was a slave and i and my master used to negotiate this for me Right, mm. whether I go out and could sell my my services, but now I'm not enslaved anymore. So how can I still? And since I cannot enter into a business relate uh, a business agreement contractually, I go get married. Now let's be honest, noble. Who do you go marry? You don't marry based on love. You marry the man who can count well. You marry the man who has business sense. You marry the man who has you know an acumen who could help you to sell your seamstress services. You get what I'm saying? Right. I mean, so so it was a very practical business thing to do. Uh, secondly, a lot of the current law is around uh, taxes. And so a lot of times what men would do, and I'm going back into the history of it a little bit, is that let's say, for example, you were a very, very wealthy man. Um, um, and you and let's just say you and then your your wealth was in land and slaves. That's OK. For all practical purposes. Right. Mm -hmm. in, in, in 200 years ago, what you would do is you have to pay taxes on that. Right. 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 So what you would do is give as much as you possibly could to your wife mm. to lower your tax burden. Right. OK. Now, you may have been employed as a, you know, a, a, a ship builder or whatever, but she wasn't employed. Matter of fact, she didn't she couldn't even enter into a contract. So you would take half of your land and give it over to her so that you don't have to pay the tax. So here's my point. That had nothing to do with how in love I was with this person. It had everything to do with a practical business decision, okay? And that so, also made sense for monogamy at that time because I mean, you would know that the kids you had were yours that were going to... You could have that absolutely. Absolutely. It was 
100%. So it was all about passing down, passing down, uh, 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 for example, if I had, if, 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 just imagine, put yourself in a, in, 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 in a kid's shoes. And let's say your mother had four partners, okay? And we don't know which one is your daddy, right? Mm-hmm. But one of them is wealthy and one of them is, eh, he ain't that wealthy. And they right. both die. Who do you want your daddy to be? The rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, right, right. So, yeah, that's what I'm, and that only makes sense, all right? This is just pure logical stuff. So anyway, those, th- those were some of the thought processes behind establishing the marital law that we have today, but it's outdated. And for the record, it never really ever ever has served uh especially uh communities of color because i mean slaves up until could not legally marry and there was and then so what they would do is they would kind of like join you know uh, uh and say i'll be your wife or i'll act like your wife or i'll act like your husband i'll be your husband and we will bond but we still had no sexual sovereignty I mean, especially in slavery, you didn't have no sexual sovereignty. If somebody said, noble, go get Mary pregnant, you went and got Mary pregnant. It had nothing to do with, you know, you just happened to be the young buck with the with with, with the wherewithal to get Mary pregnant. That's about it. Mm. But, but you guys had children together. And you probably had, and you may or may not have a, had a level of affinity for it. So a lot of this, this stuff, this, this chaos goes into our current thought process about marriage today. Um, Dr. Um, oh, wow, uh, Dr. Stewart. Dr. Stewart wrote a book called, very recently called Black Love. Um, and there's, and she, she, she postulates, she, her theory is that there's been a war on, particularly on black women as it relates to marriage since the beginning. And she goes in, she goes into that. So what, what am I getting at? All I'm saying is, is that we need to take a step back and look at how we got into the current definitions of what we see as marriage today. And then ask the question, are they working for us? Mm-hmm. Right. So in that framework, you know, I feel like a lot of men are very tied to the concept of um, women's sexual fidelity to them. Um, they're, they're very invested in women being, um, again, sexually exclusive with them while they themselves may not want to do be sexually exclusive with their women. Yes. Um, how do you how how do you propose that men men come to the realization or to the mastery of self to be able to be okay with the fact that women have the same rights and desires that we do as men? Yeah, like, that's a that's a great question. Basically, what I hear you asking is pretty much as a man, how do how am I okay with my partners and they all do have other men in their life, and how am I okay with that? Right, exactly. Like again, I, it took me to get there. Like I got there in a very unique way, but it's, it's different. It's difficult for me to express to people how to get there because you can't do what I did because I almost had to die and went to a whole spiritual. <laughs> you know, like I was almost dead, like in a hospital. I was like, you know what, this shit ain't working. I'm wanting something to do, and right. I just put in, but felt good. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't recommend that to everybody. <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying? So right, what's right. your? What would you say for you? In terms of how you break how did I get there? Well, first of all, I ask the question. Okay, I ask the question: Is what premise do am I holding on to that says that she does belong to me? That was the mm-hmm. first question. See, I started with a flawed premise. Mm-hmm. As men, you know, we generally are about ownership. Right. I, I own this piece of land, although that land has always been there. Okay, and we'll be there when we die. Correct. Um, I own this house, although. 
that's just a bunch of sticks that will probably be there if after you die i own this or or, or, or this is my car and more importantly we valued men and their masculinity on their ability to uh, accumulate valuable quote-unquote things whether and this is important noble whether it belonged to them or not Mm, you have okay. to understand we live in a culture where people owned other people right and assess their value based upon how many nobles could they own that's crazy you never owned them they never that land never belonged to you ever it was here when you got here and it's going to be here when you leave so number one is really coming to grips with this idea of is my masculinity tied uh, 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 a predicate or the value of my masculinity predicated on ownership that's number one because see if it is then everything that gives me in my mind some type of value I must own Mm. and so now I have to own her noble see it can't be see if the moment the moment I let you live on my land too it ain't my land that I own. The moment I let you drive my car just as much as I drive my car, it ain't my car no more. I don't own it anymore. Right. Right? But when you come to the realization that you never owned this thing in the first place, then that land can be fruitful for whoever is farming it. Mm, mm-hmm. Because it's going to be fruitful to whoever it farms it anyway. Come so here. to answer the question basically we have to start saying what does her um, accessibility and availability to other men mean to me and my value and the answer is nothing Mm. but if you believe that it does then I have to hold on to this And, and, and it's not just women it's anything that you believe belongs to you it's almost like when I hear men say man you know I take care of my kids but so if you see another hungry one over there you're not gonna feed that one so you taking care of your kids because they belong to you but there's another kid over here that's hungry you won't feed that one because he don't or she don't belong to you this is the same kid that'll beat up your kid for money because <laughs> he hungry because <laughs> he hungry right it would make more sense for you to feed that kid and all I'm saying is is that none of those kids belong to you but you have a responsibility to those children to father them whether they biologically come from you or not now let me move that over to women in your life in my life right I have a responsibility to husband them whether they're legally married to me or not especially once they come into my sphere come into my orbit come into my whatever term the, 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 the analogy I like to use and I don't want to go too far from this but I want to I want to hit the point is that I'm like an air traffic controller mm. okay? And as an air traffic controller, I'm responsible for some airspace. When a plane comes into my airspace, I I immediately radio the pilot and say, pilot, is your intention to land or are you just flying through? (laughs) Preach, pray. I heard that now. Say it again. Say it again. I mean, because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just a point passing through. Right, right. Or you are landing. Okay. What, What are you choosing to do? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what are you choosing to do? Uh-huh. Right. Now, for those that are passing through, I still have a responsibility while they're in my airspace for them to make sure there are no in air collisions, 
right. to, give, to give them a heads up on the weather. Correct. To let them know that, oh, by the way, you you know you you headed, you said you headed, to, uh, you know you headed you headed to Noble, but you passing through Detrick. What I need you to do is veer a little bit to the left because you're gonna miss Noble. <laughs> I have that responsibility as an air uh-huh. traffic controller. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Now let's assume that if they said, you know what, I think I'm gonna land. Now I have a whole nother set of questions and priorities and responsibilities. Well, first of all, do I have any runway free? Mm, they got the space. Yeah, I might not I might not have a place for you to land. Right. And then if you land it, then you know we got to park you at the gate. I might not have no gate openings. Mm. Okay. I, I might not have the crew, the ground crew, to handle your landing. And that's all the responsibility of this air traffic controller. Right. Okay. And all I'm saying is, as a man who is open, and this is what ethical non-monogamy does, allows you to be open to women flying into your airspace, you have the responsibility, period, whether they are landing or not, if they are passing through, be responsible for your airspace. And if they're landing, be responsible for your airspace. That's going so far as to say, if you don't have the capacity to handle this landing, to communicate that too. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have no place for you to land, baby. Right now, I have no no gate for you to park. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, we're not talking about good, bad, right, or wrong difference. There's no judgment here. Right, right. But it would yeah. be ir- it would be irresponsible to tell this plane to land, and then there's there's a parked plane on the runway. That's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, so although I'm I'm painting an analogy here. Of uh, air traffic control, I hope I hope it's connecting. I hope it's oh connecting. no, it's beautiful, man! I, I'm, I'm hitting every point. Like I know exactly what you're saying. I hope the audience is too. But like I, I, I feel like you can't really break that down any more clear, any clearer than that. But it's about, but, but it's about being responsible for your airspace. Notice I say your airspace, your mm-hmm. airspace, your airspace, your mm-hmm. airspace. Let me be very clear. That's what masculinity and leadership is all about it's about being responsible for your airspace so when a plane flies into it i.e when a woman comes into it and she decides what she wants to do with it you have a responsibility to facilitate that move one way or the other whether she decides to land or she decides to fly through facts that's called responsibility and that's what men do that's what masculine leadership is Responsibility. Matter of fact, I think if you've ever been in like the military, they have these general orders. The first general order is to take charge of your post and all government property in view. Right. That's your responsibility. Your 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 um your your commanding officer doesn't have to give you that instruction every single time. You are responsible. That's what masculine leadership is. And so whether it be the air traffic controller analogy, you have a responsibility for all the feminine energy that comes into your space. You also have a responsibility for all the masculine energy that comes into your space because you have a space. Manage that. And stop making it about everybody else. Mm. Mm. That's powerful right there. When it comes to, so, so, so talk to me about masculine energy. Like what, how does it look when you're dealing with your partner's partners, like the men that your partners are dealing with? Like, do you sure. try to have connections with them? Do you try to mentor them? Are you like, yo, you do your thing, I'm doing my thing? How does that work for you? Um, actually, I'm always open to it. As far as I'm concerned, we are on team. We are on a team. I'm on team, you know, I'll make a name up. Team Lisa. 
don't have a, I don't have a partner by the name of Lisa, by the way. But we're on team Lisa, and we have chosen, we've decided to be teammates. And rule number one is you never want to be a superstar on a losing team. Mm. Okay. There is a role that you have to play, and and and, and this is one of those things that I mean I had to come in contact. I mean I had to wrestle with myself that sometimes you're not the franchise player nope <laughs> right i broke down i talked about this in um a, a couple of my podcasts in terms of how i see things but yeah keep on going keep on going i know i'm right there with you bro sometimes you're not the the, the franchise player but you need more than a franchise player to be a championship team you need role 100%. players you do you need defensive players. So your role may be, and this is important, especially is understanding what your role is in this woman's life. Your role might be to father her children and that's it. Mm. That might be the role that you play. Okay. And another man may be her, the, the man in her life for her sexual exploits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, you may be there to help her because you have great insight into business. Mm-hmm. Okay, but knowing your role really, really, really see. You know what? Knowing I'm, I'm just gonna use a basketball analogy. The worst thing you can do is in the clutch take the shot when you're not supposed to be the person shooting the shot. That's horrible. Oh God, that's a horrible that's mistake. Pro- that's a problem. <laughs> you, you need to know if your job is to set the pick. You yeah. need to know that. Oh, you know what? Noble is gonna take the last shot. So my job is to hit the boards. Yeah, box out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, box out. Right. I my point is, is, but what if I think I'm supposed to take the shot? What if I want to make the team all about me? I'm number mm. one Uno. Mm. She needs to have spend all her time with me. I'm the franchise player. I need my name. I need to know that I led us to the championship. If you stuck on that, you will find yourself being a superstar, but on a losing team. Mm. Smart smart men don't want to be superstars on losing teams. We want to play our role as best we can on championship teams. Right. And every every woman has the capacity, has the capacity to be a championship team. If that I know I'm I know I'm drawing I'm, I'm trying to talk in analogies and paint pictures, but I hope it's landing. Oh no no I'm 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 right here with you because I, I do the same thing, you know what I'm saying? When I when I'm talking about my relationships and my and my goals and my things. Yeah. Um how do you get brothers um, have you had conversations with brothers about understanding that that role placement and being okay with it? Because I feel like some people have a hard time swallowing their pride with that, um, yeah. especially when they feel like they want what they want. Or they should always be a certain type of person for everybody. You know, what I'm saying how do you have you how do you talk to brothers about that? I mean, well, first of all, I think that the key is to is to no once once I'm clear about my role is to communicate that I'm not the threat here. Mm-hmm. Okay. If if Noble, if you're the franchise player, if you if, if you're my partner's legally married husband, for example, and you're the franchise player, I'm just making this up as an analogy, right? I understand that. I want you to know that I'm here to box out, like you said. Right. I, I'm I'm here to support the team. Right. And more importantly, the door is always open for you and I to have the conversations that we need to have. Mm. Now, I don't push it. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't push it. It doesn't, it, it never has to happen. But I want you to feel comfortable to make that phone call or me make that phone call and we can, ha- and we can have that conversation. Because you know, the, you know, the thing that the, the, uh, the biggest, in my opinion, 
contributor, a country, a, a, a contributor or characteristic of a winning championship team is locker room dynamics. Mm. Has nothing to do with what they do on court, on the court. Behind the scenes, I feel you. But it, but in the locker room, they trust each other. Yeah. You know they, and here's what I mean by that: they trust that everybody will do what they're supposed to do when they need to do it. Could you imagine? I'm I'm, I'm going back a little bit. Could you imagine playing like with somebody like Dennis Rodman? <laughs> who was chaotic and all over the place or whatever, yeah. right? But they trusted Dennis <laughs> that it when did. you needed a rebound, Dennis was gonna get that rebound. They right. trusted Dennis when you needed somebody to take that charge, Dennis was gonna take that charge. They right. trusted him, and so the locker room dynamics, despite his antics on the court, <laughs> yes, right. The locker room dynamics was was solid. Okay, and I think when a woman is trying to move pieces of her puzzle around, and especially in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, what she's really trying to do is establish a good quality locker room dynamics. Mm. And, 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 and let me flip it around. I think that's what men who are or in uh, polyamorous, uh, ethically non-monogamous relationships should be trying to do too. It's basically managing on locker room dynamics so that everyone can excel at what they do and who they are. Because everybody's right. a god or something. Right, right. Right. And the important thing about the locker room too is like, you know, those people, those men need to be able to, to check themselves. You know, so they need to be able to check each other. Oh, absolutely. They hold each other accountable, accountable, you know, when things do go off and when things are right. kind of getting out of whack. As a matter of fact, I think we're we're most, we're, we're best qualified to, let, let, me, let me give you an example. Let's say Noble is really doing something Noble shouldn't be doing. Okay, right. He he he's he's off base, right? Mm-hmm. If a woman or or partner comes to you and says, "No, but you off," you're going to receive that one way. You're going to receive it in a way, and here's here are the questions going to, that are going to be going through your mind. Hmm. Now is she going to hold back sexually? Is she going to be less available to me? Am I less of a man now? There are a lot of value questions that you will ask because this criticism came from someone that you have this relationship with okay mm-hmm. take that exact same criticism and let it come from me well i mean our relationship is di- different our dynamic is different and you'll hear it differently we always hear our criticisms from men much 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 clearer correct justice is getting judged by your peers meaning men in your situation that's what justice is so my criticisms with you are just that hey bruh no man you know you 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 turn left and you, you know you should have turned right i'm just i'm just telling you brother to brother that what that wasn't cool that that that, that that's that's you know that's not that's not what we about and all you could do is own that of getting mad, but but it's a very different dynamic than if a partner or a woman came and said the exact same thing. Right. You'd be all up, no, what about when you, you know, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we as men are most qualified, quite honestly, to evaluate the value uh, of each other's masculinity, not women, quite honestly. Right. No, I, I feel like um, men the getting it from me way to really see it, to make a change, like to find a solution to it, or how to make a change. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, but like I said, it, but, but but I mean, let's think about it like this. Are you? Let me see. Do you do, do you know how to? Um, do you know do you know anything about gymnastics? A little bit, yes. Okay, all right. Okay, that wouldn't work then. Do you, what about how about figure skating? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I mean, do, have you ever figure skated ever? I've never figure skated. I don't I'm like. I did a little. I know a little bit about more about gymnastics because I used to I really okay. love gymnastics and stuff. But okay, but good, good. Olympic. Perfect. Perfect. So figure skating. So you know what a figure skater? You could, you've seen it before, but you ain't never done it, right? Right. Okay. All right. So let's imagine that you were brought to the Olympics, and they're gonna make you a figure skating judge. Okay. Mm. They say I need I need you to rate this on scale from zero of one to ten. Now, of course, Noble, you will do the best you can, right? Because they ask you to do it. You you know, oh that looked like a seven. Oh that looked like an eight. But you're not qualified. Right. Right. Hold on. Everybody would know that. Well, when you look at Noble's score, man, you need to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Hold on. Uh-huh. Not not because Noble is like a, a chump. Not because Noble is disingenuous, but because Noble doesn't have the qualifications to know the difference between an eight and a nine in figure skating. He doesn't know. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the experience to know the difference between a nine and a ten. Okay. He just doesn't have that. Right. Is that fair? Yeah, but you would give your opinion. Is that is that fair? Since yeah. they ask you to now move that over to men and women. I'm saying when a woman gives you a judgment as a man, that's like noble judging figure skating. Mm. Yes, okay. she's giving you her opinion, but she hasn't had your experience. So therefore, you have to put her judgment in perspective. That it's just that, an opinion. Right. Now, when a man comes to you and gives you the same judgment, now you can say, now he can say, no, well, I've been where you at. I know exactly how you feel. And because I know exactly how you, how you feel and exactly where you were, I can give you a healthy judgment of that action, a healthy valuation, because I've been there. I have the experience to give you this uh, 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 this judgment. You should take that into consideration. That's called counsel. Mm-hmm. What she gave you was opinion. Don't confuse the two. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not discount opinions, okay? That does not discount her input. That does not get that does not discount her um, her her divine third eye. You understand? That does not, I'm not discounting any of that. But right. understand that the judgment is coming from her experiences and not from masculine experiences. That's all I'm saying. So we have to put them in perspective. So be very, 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 very careful, right, of confusing uh, counsel with opinion. That is why, let me run this full circle, that's why men need to be in circles with men so they can check men mm. about what we're doing. You see, I have, I, I can check you because there's no sexual attract. You know what I mean? We're not... I'm, there's no sexual agenda when I say, "Hey, bro, that's 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 not, that's not cool." There's no sexual agenda there, right? When a woman okay. says that, it, may, it might be some sexual agenda. You was digging her, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. So we've removed that, um, um, that 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 particular dynamic, uh, from the communication when it's man to man. Hmm. And that's what makes men's opinions, quote unquote, counsel, a lot more valuable. Not that women's is not valuable. 
but I'm right, but I want okay. but I want to explain what I'm saying here. Um, let me ask you this then: like, <laughs> like, what do you feel in terms of the way the the like the rise of feminism and how mm. it relates to how like men and women are related? Mm. Well, first of all, I, I disagree. Let me see if I can say this right. I don't believe there's a rise in feminism. I believe okay. there's a, I, I believe there's a remembrance of feminine power. There, okay, there we go. What I'm saying is, is that I believe that the feminine has been oppressed and suppressed, and she has had to find ways to maneuver in the world, whether that be through church or government. They've been both been oppressing and suppressing her for thousands of years, probably now. Okay, so there is not necessarily a rise; it's more of a remembrance of who had the power in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what that does is now I think you know how does that affect relationships? Um, men have always used certain things uh, to establish this power dynamic in a relationship, whether that be money, whether that be their physical prowess. You know, I'm bigger, stronger than you, right? But she's always had power. It just may not have been in uh, in money. It may just it may not have been in um, in in her physical in her physical ability to punch you out or knock you out, right? Um, and so I think what that does for relationships now, it causes, it should, it should cause intelligent men to step back and remember and recognize the power of the feminine. Because mm-hmm. there is, because there's no rising. You know, it's right. kind of like saying, man, the sun is, it's like, oh, you know, when, like when people say sunrise, you do know that the sun hasn't moved. You do know that, right? Exactly. Like, uh, and I said it like that because I feel like that's been the, um, that's been the, 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 the way it's been worded, I think, by some men. Right, um, right, that right. I hear it. I want to hear what you get your thoughts on. Right. And I'm with you. I hear it. And that's kind of like saying the sun is rising. But my point is, dude, the sun doesn't move. It's the earth that moves. <laughs> right, right. So it's kind of like the feminine rising. No, the feminine ain't moved. She's always been here, bro. You have just oppressed, suppressed misunderstood played around act like you didn't understand put laws in place right to suppress you've done everything to work around it but she's all her power has always been there so what does that mean in our relationships it means the remembrance and the recognition of feminine power and here's the thing and seeing it as a compliment to your masculine power rather than an obstacle or some combative uh force on the other side of things Right, I've, I've always, I've tried to. I believe that a lot of people kind of have it confused where they believe that they say like you know men and women, you no, know, they, they argue about equality. When I feel like equality really isn't like even something you can really contest. Like men and women definitely are equal. We're just not the same. Right. And I, I mean, it's, and it's, I was, yeah, yes. Go ahead. You talk. And I, and I would just like I use the analogy of like you know masculine energy is like three plus one. Whereas feminine energy could be two plus two. They both equal four, but they're just different. Exactly. And they're complementary. Correct. You can't have one without the other. Correct. They keep life in balance and in harmony. As a matter of fact, I think if the masculine and feminine energy was off just, just a tad bit, the earth would fly out of orbit and we would all die. Mm. But it is the balance between the forces, right? 
that send this planet and other planets around the sun the way that it does. If it were off just a little bit, it would throw everything into chaos. And so that's the example of it. So the feminine energy, I mean, the feminine uh, um, uh, rising idea concept really is, here's what, it, here's what it's saying. It's saying that the earth is still and the, and the sun is rising. That's what that's like saying. And I'm saying, no, feminine power has always been here, always been present. The only question is how are you going to relate to it? That's the only question. You can honor it, you can respect it, you can work with it, you can compliment it, or you can suppress it and fight it to your own detriment. Mm-hmm. But if that's what you want to do, okay. But it's not sustainable. Definitely not. <laughs> right. and, any, and any society that you see that is built on quote-unquote patriarchal uh, forces doesn't last long. Not right, one. right. Not one. And I've... Um... And let me just get your thoughts on one thing. I've tried to say to some women who were talking about this too. Like, um, I don't necessarily view patriarchy as being bad. I just feel like the concept that infiltrated patriarchy has corrupted it, such as misogyny. Oh yeah. Because when I think patriarchy, I'm just thinking about positive male leadership. Sure. All right. All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm I'm with that. I'm 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 with that. I agree with that. Um, and I and and yes, I'm with that one thousand percent. Um. Um, I, I hear us talk about toxic masculinity. I'm, I'm going down the same road as you. And there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. If it's toxic, it's not masculine. Okay. Okay. That's an oxymoron. Uh-huh. There's no such thing. It's impossible for a man to be expressing himself in a full masculine, what I'll call divine masculine, and it be toxic. That's not possible. Okay, right. and so when we go over to patriarchy, and, he, and, and what I'm talking about is putting rules and laws in place to support mythology around your masculinity, mm. meaning mm. I'm better than you because I'm a man. That's a myth. Right. I'm stronger than you because I'm a man. That's a myth. Right. I should get paid more than you because I'm a man. That's myth. That's mythology. And here's, here's what's important to understand. You got to put laws in place to hold that BS in place or else it, will, it won't even last. Mm. You have to physically write laws into the books that don't exist in the universe to keep it in place. <laughs> I hear you. It's almost like a balloon with helium. You got to sit on it to keep it from rising. Mm. You got to hold it down to keep it from rising. And that's what the laws are. And that a lot of the social institutions that we put in place uh, have done. Now, with that said, going back, because I want to go full circle with what you were saying, you know, so what does this mean to men with with the feminine power rising? I'll I'll, I'll stick with that just because it's what we're saying. Um, It it means that men need um, a path to redefining and reestablishing their masculinity because it's about complementing this feminine rising okay so quote unquote as this this new idea this new thing of feminine rising you're also going to see masculinity rising also Mm. okay it's impossible for one to rise without the other the only difference is you will see masculinity over here and say what's that oh that's him being a simp oh okay because he listens to the women in his life he's been a simp oh well, well he you know he he let he he allows her to be sexually expressive so that makes him a simp 
No, that's called masculinity. That means that his power, his divinity is not tied to her vagina. That's all that means. That's all that means. Hmm. That's powerful, my man. His, his value as a man is not tied to her genitalia. That's all, that's all that means. So what? So 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 anyway. So what what so what am I seeing as it relates to relationships? I'm seeing that there needs to be pockets and places that 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 the masculine energy can go. I'll just say it this way: to circle up and redefine and reestablish our masculinity. Or really, not even reestablish. Just express what you already got. That's what I'm saying. It's it's there. There is no man that doesn't have it. The only question is, what do you do with it? Right. How are you develop? It's like muscles, right? We all got biceps for the most part. If you have arms, right? The only difference is some people go to the gym and work theirs out, and some people don't. Good, because masculinity grows by challenge. Absolutely, it grows. It grows by challenge, and that's perfectly fine. And challenge comes from fathering. Goes back to my word, fathering, meaning yeah. that there's an energy there that is masculine, right? That holds you accountable with love. Right. Wow, Dutcher, this has been a great conversation, man. I'm running out of time. I'm like, I, I just feel like we didn't even really touch, we just skimmed the surface of what we were really about to get into. Um, I would love to get through a part two with you pretty soon if you're available, because I feel like we didn't even get into the money aspect. When we talked about men, mastery, and, and money, uh, we didn't even go touch the money part yet. Um, so yeah, if you're available sometime, I would definitely love to have a, little, a part two session with you. Oh, I, I would love to. I'd love to talk about the money aspect. And the reason I'd like to talk about the money aspect is because, and this is how, here's a good way to think about it, okay, very, very quickly, is that think about a, a, game, a football game, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how you play determines whether you win, generally speaking. General, generally speaking, whether you're blocking, tackling, passing, punting, you know, those are, those are the disciplines of the game. However, you still have to look up at the scoreboard, okay, to see to determine who's the winner or not. Now we both know that there's sometimes there have been teams that have played better. That those teams have played better and their score doesn't reflect how they played. Correct. Money is like that scoreboard. Okay? But it's not the game. Mm. It's not the game. Money is not the game. It is merely the um expression the outer result of how you played the game and so generally speaking generally speaking when you block well when you tackle well when you don't get penalties when you do those things and generally your score is better than your opponents generally speaking generally speaking and so right. the money aspect of this is looking at the score but what we're really talking about doing is tying the score back to the disciplines that were necessary to build that money that's the mastery Mm. Yeah, man, we gonna get into all that mess. I, I wanna, I wanna break all that there. I, I don't wanna like I cut you short. I wanna I, again, I keep these under an hour or so. But um, but yeah, I'm definitely wanna get back into so we can talk about the score. <laughs> we that that's that's essential. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure, man. You just let me know, and I'd love to chat it up. Yes, sir. I definitely will. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been another episode of Noble Relating the Podcast New Paradigm. I'll be right back at you next week, probably with uh, part two for Detrick here uh, coming this quote this coming Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Love good.